Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I cannot believe you are not leading with gratitude for this person who all night helped take care of you. And you're going to come in here and say that he caused those bruises when in reality, did you forget that you face planted into the concrete? We're here. We're home. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, did you forget that you walked headfirst into a tree? Get away What's from me. Oh, Let's not start blaming bruises and stuff on the black person that Episode of everyone's business but mine with me Kara Berry you know it you love these Monday episodes where we talk about any and everything that's going on in pop culture and I had to bring somebody in to talk about what the hell was going on with all the current news and also the real world New Orleans Liz Bentley of Feathers in My Air hello hi Kara how are you doing oh I'm good I'm I haven't talked about uh real world homecoming anywhere except on twitter so i'm excited for this i'm excited for all of us really um so let's talk about the things that we're that i the the articles that i sent you before we get into real world because i really like i have so many thoughts (laughs) um our first topic is going to be can i get a hell yeah and that goes to surprisingly um really to the viewing public or the, the public at large for not buying <laughs> Megan McCain's book um it turns out that this big tell-all that was going to expose uh the view and all of that only sold are you guys waiting for it 244 copies I mean like, god excuse me oh my gosh sorry um is that possible <laughs> like I I was like 
doesn't the pub like wouldn't her people like buy a thousand of them like isn't that the whole thing where people like game the new york times bestsellers list and then they get an asterisk next to their name because like they're pre-order like i just was like i didn't realize that was physically possible in this day and age i i agree and to go back to what you just mentioned i just learned this i'm sure you maybe you did too because of stassi no i learned it i don't know i don't know why i know I mean, anything you know, i know you're very quick, but for those of you who don't know, um, person who used to be on Vanderpump Rules came out with a book and she um, announced that she was on the New York Times bestseller book. Somebody noticed that there is an asterisk next to the book, which tells you, I guess, that there cannot confirm or deny whether or not this author maybe bought the book in bulk or helped boost the sales in a major way. Yes. I like, I kind of fancy myself as Slumdog Millionaire in which like, I know a lot of very random things that are, mm-hmm. because of like one moment in time, I like got super obsessed with learning about the New York Times bestseller list, you know, like, I'm like, I don't know. Why do I know this? But yes. Yeah, so, and this is like a really big thing um, because like the publisher or like the PR person or the manager will buy like big bulk orders. And it's different than like a bookstore buying bulk orders because that's like a whole process right like they can identify that like one person bought it and so when I saw these mega numbers I was like damn her team isn't even trying to fuck the numbers that's that's really wild that they wouldn't have come up with some sort of contest or something I mean this is maybe the most honest I've ever heard Megan McCain be and you know (laughs) to what end (laughs) I also like I knew it came out pretty sure like a podcast I listened to did I mean a podcast I listened to did a recap of a book of hers that I thought I think was bad Republican I don't really know I was like I just assumed that this would sell more but I think it speaks to not to get like too deep I do think in a way it speaks like the very politically divided nation that we live in that someone like Megan McCain like truly no one is interested in her like the Republican fangirls are not buying her stuff the left-leaning people are like go fuck yourself and so someone like Megan who's like I'm an outsider like just nobody cares about what she has to say it's one of the few things that we can reach across the aisle about (laughs) and I'm glad that she knows that now (laughs) she's insufferable like I Oh, gosh, I'm so glad to see this. I love to see her tank. I really do. And because, I mean, she, her brand on The View oftentimes was smarmy. Yes. And yes. has a definite overinflated self, sense of self. And this is like, I'm not a View watcher. I really like know Megan through the way that most of left-leaning Twitter does. Just like the clips. Because mm-hmm. every seven days she would say something stupid. But, mm-hmm. um. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it really speaks like I felt like she came out and was like, I'm leaving the view. And this is my fight song. And I'm just gonna go into this like cushy career doing whatever the hell she thinks she is entitled to be doing. But uh, didn't happen, girl. And for that, I will laugh. And I'm sure Opie oh, Opie did too. Yeah, I'm sure Whoopi did. And I think, what? I think the thing with Megan McKean is that like, kind of in the earlier days of her come up people were like oh she's fun she likes the housewives Andy Cohen is her friend mm-hmm. and she had all of these kind of like 
New York gay darlings that were her friends. So it was kind of like, oh, maybe she's like, okay. And then you're like, oh, no, 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 not okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think she did kind of have like, I mean, I remember being like, oh, maybe she's not that bad. Like, this is fun. She has Erica Jane on The View for her birthday. Like, I kind of, I don't want to say I like bought into it because I definitely didn't, but I like saw what they were doing with her. And it was mm-hmm. like, okay, I I get this. And then, she, I I mean, I think a few things. Megan discovered what I was just saying, that, like, being this in-the-middle person doesn't sell. Um, and she is just a bad person. Like, she's just a bad person, full stop. And yeah. people aren't – they're just not interested in what she has to say. Because I also think she doesn't have – anything like I think that if she wants to sell books like she needs to lean into being right wing like the bad Republican of it all I think won't work for she needs to do Elizabeth Hasselbeck you know and like just go fool Fox News because they'll buy her books like I think that the Republican woman that like would be buying Megan McCain's book just like isn't interested in it and then I also think that she really fancied herself like the queen of the gays, you know, and she's definitely mm-hmm. that person that's like my gays. Like yes. she's very much that. And gay people are like, no, I, we don't think so. Yeah. And I think she probably also saw what happened to Ivanka and Jared. It was like, I'm not, I don't want to be shipped off to South Florida. Like I want to <laughs> live in New York and you know, like live my best life and go to pasties or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, and that's just not going to work. Sorry. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a celebration for me. I was thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to hear that. Um, She's so smug. Her face is like so smug. So, you know how like she just has one of those faces that's like she's always smelled something bad. Like not <laughs> even resting bitch face, but like like smug face. Like there's just something like in her face that's like I'm like, can you? change the way that your face is sitting right now <laughs> yeah it's just very like middle school mean girl like yes there's something about it like that you know that she is not above like whispering in somebody's ear and making it known that she's talking behind your back like <laughs> I, ugh, I can't yeah. stand her um so let's stop talking about her Agreed. Moving on to, uh real housewives of new jersey uh, I, this is such a i don't not a blind spot but we rarely talk housewives with each other yeah, that is true because I mean everybody talks housewives with everybody and we mm-hmm. have just like a wealth of other shows to talk about. Yeah. And we did do a New Jersey episode though. Remember? We did. We did. And so like what's I know that you are not really like recently you haven't really been into watching the housewives and you just catch up on recaps. So Correct. Did you so, watch any of the season? No, not a seat, single scene. Do I know everything <laughs> that happened on the season? Absolutely. Like, this is the way that I like to consume reality TV now. Here's yeah. my thing with Joe and Teresa. As someone that's not necessarily a family person, I'm just like, why don't you guys just stop talking to each other? <laughs> it really feels like, yeah, like, what are we doing? Like, we're just slogging through this relationship that neither of you guys really seem to want. So yeah, I understand what we're doing. So you guys, um, on the part one of the reunion last week, Teresa... Uh, basically wholeheartedly agreed with Jennifer Aiden in the um, opinion that she believes that Joe is, Joe Judice is a bitch boy. No, and Joe Gorga. Gorga, sorry. Gorga is a bitch boy and that he basically gets in women's business. Um, you know, it's 
giving Nini calling Peter Patricia at one point. Um, <laughs> this show is like, so homophobic. Every Everyone. Um, Everyone. Always. There's always every season. There's one thing where you're like, <laughs> and it's just so like, and they're sitting right next to Andy. And I'm just like, wow, are we not? Do we not see this? Like, can you guys not even oh, say this in so, front of? I'm it, of two minds with like the husbands getting involved. Um, I, am I think it's hard because on one hand I am. I'm like, stay out of their business. Like it is weird. Like when Ken Todd would like yell, like even the goodbye Kyle and like yelling at her. I'm like, I just instinctively don't like a man yelling at a woman ever. Like it just makes me like, that's my PTSD, you know, like <laughs> automatically I'm like, Ugh. but then at the same time, it's like, they're on the show, especially New Jersey, where they get talking heads, they get their own vacations. <laughs> like, yeah. the men are full characters on New Jersey. So the idea that they, like, wouldn't be involved in women's business is very silly. I also, it's like, it, I'm up to, it's like, why are we calling it women's business? That's kind of weird. Like, the whole thing, I just never really know where I fall. I feel like I'm a little hypocritical on it because logically I'm like, that's bullshit. But then instinctively I'm like, yeah, stay out of women's business. <laughs> well, here's the thing is that I don't feel like Joey really involves himself in the other women. He just wants to, like, take it's shots Teresa. He wants to take shots of vodka with the other husbands and like party, party, party and and try to make jokes with each other. Um, I don't really see himself like really extra, like super involved in like any of the right. dynamics. So he's not he's not in anybody's business except for Teresa and Melissa's, which is his wife and his sister. He's not <laughs> fighting with Marge, you know, like he's right. not like Marge, your husband cheated on you like he it's he's really not and so I do kind of think it's like an unfair accusation because it's like yeah he fights with Teresa because they fucking hate each other and have for probably ever like yeah yeah and I'm also I this has been a really like eye-opening season because listening to other podcasts and watching Real Housewives Girls Trip Everybody says, like, the people who know her in real life and have been on podcasts and what we saw on Girls Trip was that Teresa is like this other person. Like, there's another Teresa that we're not seeing on the show. And that mm. version is very, like, loving and a girl's girl and just wants to be happy. And she's not combative. And, you know, like, the show just, like, she's a character. And other people have said, like, I think I heard on maybe Bitch Sesh, they interviewed, um, one of the cast members, Teresa's um, real estate agent, and she says that I guess she's known Teresa forever and that really Melissa's the problem. That's sort of the underlying thing is that like we mm -hmm. as the general public have it all wrong. But to watch this reunion and to watch how Teresa behaved, it, it's just like hard for me to believe that this is like the greatest conspiracy of all time that Melissa is actually evil. <laughs> Teresa's yeah. like, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, on one hand, does it matter? Like, does it <laughs> matter what Teresa's like off screen and what Melissa's like off screen if this is what we're seeing on the screen? Like, I'm not so sure. It's kind of like the Kenya Moore of it all where it's like, she's just playing a character. And it's like, well, does it matter? Like, 
I'm only like I'm not with Teresa at the shore like I'm not at her shore house while she's making margaritas for everybody like I don't know if she's nice like that doesn't have any impact on me like what we see is what we judge and I just like do I believe that Teresa I think the thing is it's like I bet Teresa is very nice with her friends that she cares about um and I would bet that in her personal regular life like most of her relationships are quite shallow so she doesn't Mm -hmm. get into it with people because she's like uh, because most adults don't right like most adults are not fighting with their friends (laughs) right Right. and like I I just find it hard to believe that like Melissa is so evil and Teresa is the one that has like been so wronged and it's just like they're both they're both shitty in their own way and I just don't really like I don't know. Teresa's the one that holds all the power. So that I feel like that's why it's like hard for me to hear about like Melissa's actually the bad one. Cause it's like, well, I think Teresa's the one in charge. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, like if Teresa wanted to change the narrative of who television's Teresa Judice is, then she could have done that. Like <sighs> she had perfect opportunity after Joe to be like, I'm a brand new bitch and like, you know, watch me now, right? But she yeah. So, also, you know, are we really going to sit here and say that Teresa has the ability to switch personalities? <laughs> it, it, well, yeah. I mean, based on what I saw at the reading, I, this woman was like struggling to answer even the most basic of questions. She's so. dumb. I'm sorry. She <laughs> is. She's stupid. <laughs> That's the thing, Liz, is that, like, you know, I'm hard-pressed to call people stupid, but, like, I... There are certain people. Mackenzie <laughs> McKee is yep. stupid. Teresa yep. Judice is stupid. Like, there are certain people that are just fucking dumb. And that doesn't mean that, like, she's not successful. She has figured out how to be very successful in her life and, like, good for her. But when it comes to, like, everything else, like, she's a dummy. And that's just the truth. That's just the it, truth. And, I, and it doesn't sound good, but it's honestly the truth. <laughs> but um, yeah, she really pre- behaved very poorly this whole season. And she keeps trying to make this argument of Jackie, like having been cheat on, cheated on by her husband, which is not true. And Jackie keeps after reminding having to remind them like my situation is not the same as jennifer's because bill did cheat on her and evan you guys just made up a rumor this like why do i have to keep explaining this to you guys (laughs) so uh, i um when it comes to oh i just totally forgot what i was gonna say oh i mean her boyfriend fiance louie what's his name lou louie Liz, this is the thing that keeps me up at night, is that it's spelled L-U-I-S, right? Which could which be is Louis, usually. Right. Or is that L-O-U-I-S? See, I'm a dummy, too, when it comes to something. <laughs> like, like recognizes like. Well, like but, it could be Louise. It could be Louis. I mean, it depends on where you are, right? But yeah. he has, everybody pronounces his name differently. And then he also has a son who's named Louis. L O U I E differently from his name. So I, I wonder was if that's his, that his name Louis, and that he just tried to make it easier for his son by spelling it the way people assume. 
Okay, either way, that man is a fucking scammer abuser. And, like, Thank the you. idea that we're pretending otherwise. And when Marge was like, I'm right about this. I was like, yeah, you are, bitch. Like, you are. Like, I read those fucking New York Post articles about him. He's a monster. I don't know why we're pretending otherwise. Like, And I feel like Marge really tried to give Teresa an out. Because, girl... All of this shit was out in the press. Nobody did anything to do that. That was all his doing. Like, this shit was going to come out anyway. To act like, to go through this whole season and just not address that absolutely psychotic, shirtless, on a beach with all these men behind him video is like, girl, come on. So I felt like Marge was trying to help Tree by like being like, hey, we can do this scene one-on-one and you can say how you feel and we can move on. But she didn't want to do that. So here we are. Like, the other thing that I want to say is I am old-fashioned in some ways. And in that way that I'm old-fashioned, I'm like, why are we pretending, like, the wedding of a – the second wedding of a grown woman with grown children to a man who's been married how many times is, like, a big deal? Like, how dare you? Like, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, like, I'm like, why are we talking about bridesmaids? Like, are they 20? Like, what are we doing? Like, yeah, the jig is up. I have very particular feelings about, like, um, more your second or third or, you know, not your first wedding and the age thing. Like, there are just adjustments that are going to have to be made. It's tacky. It's tacky (laughs) to have, like, a full-blown country club wedding when you are, like, when you have a 25-year-old daughter. You know what I mean? Like, there's it's just weird. I don't know. I think it's... I think it's, like, I think because I think most traditional weddings are pretty lame anyway, but, like, I understand why people do them. So, I think there's, like, a certain lameness where I'm, like, you already did this, like, Mm -hmm. this. Like, Teresa had her big traditional wedding. Like, I don't know. So, even, like, having bridesmaids, I'm, like, what are we talking about here? Like, bridesmaids. Like, have your daughters that are grown up be your bridesmaids and his bridal party or his groom's party can be his children and like mm-hmm. done is done and you get married on the beach and then you have a fabulous Thank dinner you. after like go to like turks and caicos and do yeah. like a thing and have your family there and yeah, go and- out of the country and then joe judice can come <laughs> <laughs> he could be flower girl <laughs> um, oh wait so- can we quickly talk about how absolutely unhinged and uncomfortable the Joe Judice and Joe Gorga and the kids storyline is and as somebody that comes from a family where the the parents all hate each other um like my dad and his brothers all hate each other basically and as a child it's like really hard to be put in the middle of that and it's Mm -hmm. really fucked up that Teresa is allowing this to be filmed I mean I understand Gia is like a grown-up now whatever but like Adriana and Melania are not and they're on camera like defending their dad and talking shit on Joe Gorga and I'm like this needs to be worked out in therapy not on national television it absolutely does and like my thing is both of them are right like yes of course Joey has all the right in the world to be piss the fuck off (laughs) but it's shitty to talk to somebody's kids about it as somebody that has adults that have talked shit on her parents exactly that's that's where he's not understanding is that like at the end of the day that's that's their dad so like but 
these girls need to go to therapy and work out that their dad's like an abusive monster and that he's not perfect and that like all of that but like that is not for joe uh gorga to to decide and it's not like a fight (laughs) that he needs to be fighting with a 20 something your with your niece like yeah it's inappropriate you have every right to feel the way you do they don't need to um confirm that for you you don't need gia to like validate any of your feelings <laughs> that's <laughs> what it is that's really on. what it is just move on i don't understand why he doesn't understand like this is my niece like just let it go it's her dad well it's and also dad. it's like what are you fighting over like you don't like him they do like him okay you don't it's, have to see him ever again in your life he's not allowed in the country so exactly don't it's not it's not like they're insisting like my dad's coming to your house for thanksgiving he's like no fuck you like your dad's not coming to my house i fucking hate him like truly joe gorga could never mention joe judice's name ever again in his life if he wanted to yeah he could move on so smoothly and without a doubt yeah that so that whole fight in the first episode or whatever episode was so like lame yeah because i I see both sides but like he's just gotta let it go like grow up sir um so Teresa uh, excuse me Joey Gorga posted on his Instagram a a video of uh, that man who will not be mentioned I didn't even watch the video I just read the article so apparently like that man said whatever he said like Joey's not a bitch boy whatever and so Joey posted that on his Instagram you can go check it out and Teresa (laughs) rather than like reaching out to her brother with any sort of meaningful thing she writes in the comments i'm so sorry did not mean that all there was so much going on during the taping that i lost myself love you tons heart emoji xoxo if that doesn't sum up how shitty their relationship is i don't know it does like they (laughs) fucking hate each other and then they like say this shit to each other and then they're like leaving instagram comments like my bad and then they're just like aren't we good now (laughs) <laughs> but Joey, I wrote you on Instagram. You know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. did you see it? Did you see that comment? It was so nice. Did you see it? Like, <laughs> like what is this, ma'am? You were almost 50. Like, really, like, let's pull back. I feel like I'm being very ageist, but like, let's really pull back here. Like, yeah. you're on Instagram commenting to your 40 something year old brother over a fight. Like, this, it's getting weird. Like, it, I just don't, they really need to just call it you know yeah like get out of each other's lives but i mean i guess they work together (laughs) i guess they work in a family business called Housewives in new jersey wouldn't that be so much more interesting if they just stopped pretending so much more interesting so just do that melissa finally here's your (sighs) storyline after eight years finally here's your (laughs) storyline okay Uh, and if Melissa has any smart, she'll do it because people are really mad at Teresa right now. They really don't like how she came off this season, especially the reunion. And if Melissa has any ability to navigate this whatsoever, she'll come out swinging next season because people will be on her side. Yeah, totally. Totally, totally. Um, how lame is it that Teresa did not ask her to be a bridesmaid, even though I just went in on the fact that she shouldn't. But like, girl, to act like... I don't understand why Melissa would be upset when I um, had the Louis sisters be my bridesmaids and I've known them for like five minutes. And also I Louie invited my husband to be a groomsman. 
Like, girl, it would be one thing if neither of you guys were in the party, but you can't invite the husband and not the wife. Come on. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, in real life, I'd be like, just deal with it. It's one of those things where I'm like, I don't think Melissa even wants to be a bridesmaid, really. But the reality is, is, like, Teresa did this on purpose to snub her. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, it kind of makes her look eh, to people who don't like her. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, it's shady. Like, it's just straight up rude. And for Teresa, also, like, she has no idea of why that might be offensive. It's like, come on. Let's also, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit here. Like, that's a lot of filming time that Melissa's not going to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it's kind of bigger than just, like, being a bridesmaid. Like, is she going to go on the bar- bachelorette party? Will she be at the bridal shower? Like, there's a lot of events that they're going to film. Is Teresa going to get her own spinoff for this? Like, there's a lot that could be filmed that Melissa now will not be part of. And that's a big deal in their world. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I feel like Teresa's probably, this should be her last season. Next season should be her last. Like, I agree, but like. What's she going to do? She needs, like, I, well, she, I mean, can she survive her, without the money? Well, she said her soon-to-be husband has more money than she does, and he was screaming about how she never has to work a day in her life, so. <laughs> sure, bitch. Sure. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to our last um, topic. Kim Cattrall did an interview talking about a lot of things. She talked about the power of saying no. Mm-hmm. She talked about her career now. And of course she talked about the sex in the city slash and just like that of it all. Um, so. <laughs> I feel exhausted by this Kim Cattrall, Sarah Jessica Parker drama that's been going on for truly like four years at this point. But who are you more, more exhausted by? <sighs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I, Okay. I I on one hand instinctively want to support Kim Cattrall because I don't love like I don't love everything Sarah Jessica has said about her but yeah. at the same time like you I have never heard a bad word about Sarah Jessica Parker like she actually famously has like a lovely lovely reputation where like everybody loves her and just random people on the street who have yeah. met her yeah <laughs> Everyone who's ever met her is like, she is the nicest person in the world. And like, what I think happened was that I think the other women felt like Kim, I think Kim was like, these are my work colleagues. And -hmm. the other women were like, these are our best friends. And Kim clearly doesn't like us and doesn't want to be involved. And then Kim felt left out. Kim's like that person that is like, makes it clear that she doesn't want to hang, but then is left out when she isn't invited to hang. And, like, I do get that. Like, I think that's a pretty natural, like, human thing. I'm not, I don't say that to shit on Kim, like, but I kind of think that's what happened. And then it, like, just spun out of control. And Sarah shouldn't have, like, done the public thing with Kim's brother, like, commenting on it. Like, she sh- right. she just shouldn't have. That was, like, so wrong, in my opinion. Like, it just wasn't right. Like, if you really cared like you can send her something privately but like publicly posting so like when it comes to that I'm totally on Kim's side but also like I I know people are like I wish they would just stop talking about Kim but like they can't have the show without talking about Samantha they can't they can't so 
she basically exposed that what we saw and just like that was the script for uh sex in the city three the movie and that she wasn't interested in the proposal because she there was going to be a storyline involving miranda's like brady sending Mm -hmm. unwanted dick pictures to samantha Mm -hmm. and she just didn't want to be a part of that which like i agree Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that she said like you know this was 2008 why couldn't we talk about me like having to potentially sell my pr firm and like the downfall of the economy and what was going on at the time and you know why does it have to be like some weird sex thing with like my best friend's teenage son like you know i i get that you know um what do you, i don't know like i i guess i think I, that I, the point i i just think that like this has been made such a bigger deal than it is. And, like, if Kim doesn't want to do the show, that's fine. Like, she doesn't have to do the show. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm I, kind of, like, why why are we talking about this so much? Like, I, I, I don't mean that in, like, a, like, judgy way because, like, it's celebrity gossip. I get that. But I'm, like, it just feels like such a bigger story on both sides. And also, like... I think that people really overreacted to the way that they wrote Samantha off the show when they were like, Samantha would never stop being mm-hmm. friends with Carrie over money. Never. And I'm like, well, why the fuck not? Money's a big deal. Like, people fall out over money all the time. Like, yeah. actually, that makes perfect sense to me. And people are, like, so mad about, like, the treatment of Samantha. But I'm like, what the fuck else are they supposed to do? They can either kill her or, like, make her disappear for various reasons. Like, I, it just, I just feel like the the audience cares so much about this, like, Kim versus Sarah Jessica thing that I'm just, like, I I just don't, I don't really have a side because I'm, like, they just don't like each other. Yeah, and, like, let's, and, like, the way I think the media asks both of them about this is so, like, okay, I, I don't know, like, I think that the, the, um, yeah, like just the way they, I feel like the way they ask Sarah Jessica about this is different than how they ask uh, uh, Kim Cattrall about this. And mm-hmm. that is another thing, like the narrative around it still kind of makes Kim seem bitter. Mm-hmm. And I just think that really she has boundaries and was yeah. like, I think the show should have ended. Okay, we had two movies. Okay. The third one, I was like, okay, I thought we were done with this story. <laughs> what are we doing here um and then she just felt like my character wasn't developing she doesn't fuck with these ladies like they're just colleagues to her so it really wasn't anything for her to like walk away is it a juggernaut yeah like is it a cultural touchstone absolutely but it's also like she's allowed to do whatever the hell she wants and if that's how i met your father on hulu then okay great i yeah i just Oh, God. It's just like, okay, she doesn't want to do the show anymore. Like, she doesn't have to do the show anymore. It doesn't have to be, like, this huge thing. But also, like, selfishly, I wish she would just do the show. I know. (laughs) (laughs) She said that she hasn't watched it, but she feels like what she's heard about the how they've portrayed her is, like, a different Samantha than she's played. So I'm hoping that this is the last... um, we really have to hear about this. I mean, she says that the greatest compliment for an actor is to feel like you're missed, which mm-hmm. kind of felt like 
but um you know i i just hope that that's it me too oh me too i hope it's it um so let's talk about real world homecoming new orleans you guys asked me like or i asked you guys if i should recap that one or atlanta and majority you said atlanta but then everybody was like watch the episode and they're like shit you should have talked about <laughs> homecoming so mm-hmm. let's talk about it now oh boy 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 uh we're three episodes in and they are really firing on all cylinders i since have, moment one since moment one and <clears throat> i mean julie is w capital w capital w white womaning her way through this whole thing and the likes of which we've rarely seen before it's truly shocking i have Um, so many thoughts like okay julie her energy is so unnerving to me and i can't fully describe like from the minute she entered the house and essentially like looked at danny and started crying it's like oh this makes me so uncomfortable but like i also have to say like she's giving a show it's an offensive show but she's giving the show (laughs) it's the worst show ever but i mean not the worst show this is extremely compelling television but it's yeah i mean she's she's doing something for sure um but honestly like at this point i'm fully done with her like the cast to me the seven strangers are the six of them and melissa's green purse and this happens to be there and did you read the the old uh like web archive princess melissa posts i posted it like a while ago on my twitter about like where she explains how julie and julie's mom fucked over multiple people it went on for years like julie being like i don't know what happened it's like it's so fake it's so fake and it's so frustrating and like shout out to tokyo shout out to melissa for really having like having to do the work and also doing it Mm -hmm. because they like they've been just incredible this entire time um did i say david i meant tokyo um you said tokyo okay so i okay so basically this whole time julie's been trying to like put out fires with both danny and melissa because she fucked them over as you just said like you said there's more to the story than we're even seeing on homecoming um with regards to the lengths she went to fuck them over and it was multiple real world road rules challenge people like it was not just melissa and danny it was multiple people yeah right so she has basically been (laughs) kind of tried to performatively apologize to danny and he sort of was like okay girl like i you keep doing this even though i'm telling you i don't want to so i'm just gonna like keep it cute and keep moving melissa basically iced her out as she should have and is like i don't really want to do this okay i have but you know what like melissa's actually been quite generous with her interactions with julie like she said what she needed to say but then she's not leaving julie out if julie's like in her presence she's talking to her the next morning she was when julie was like when my husband my husband works in lenses. Melissa was like totally playing along. Like mm-hmm. Melissa said her piece and that like, I'm not fighting with you. I'm not going to be your friend, but it's not. She actually then was like really nice to Julie. Yeah. I mean, you see her like interactions where they're not the main focus where Melissa's clearly being very like pleasant to her. Yeah. You More see than them I- like in the background talking and shit. Yeah. Like being very polite with each other. Um, so 
last episode, they a few most of the cast, except for Kelly and uh, Matt, went to a gay bar. They were started out having fun, but then Julie got like truly white girl wasted and was like a, just like a feral raccoon. She could not be tamed. She didn't want to leave. The peop- the bouncers and the uh, people at the club didn't want her there anymore, but she wasn't getting it. She was like, I want to keep listening to whatever the hell and like having a great time. Not picking up on the fact that like she was a menace. <laughs> Nobody was feeling her. And she was just like that wasted girl at the bar that everybody found annoying. Um, Tokyo at one point, like, physically picks her up and tries to get her to leave the club. She doesn't want to do it. In such a non-aggressive way. In such a, like, we're both drunk and I'm trying to look out for you way. Like, it truly, like, the least aggressive thing that's ever happened. No. Like, I feel like they train bouncers to do that move. Like, (laughs) (laughs) on people that they have to leave um so she's like truly out of control um they finally are able to get her into the car um because she like ran back Mm -hmm. by herself and they were like yeah you gotta leave the producers had to like stand by her they finally were able to get her into a car they get into the car they get home and she i've never seen somebody fall out of a car straight onto concrete like that like i had such a visceral reaction to that i my freshman year of college um was blacked up drunk and according to my friends i was like trying to climb down from my i'd like pass out of my friend's top bunk bed and i was trying to climb down and you had to like climb on the desk and my foot got stuck in the drawer and I just like went down onto the ground and I didn't put my hands out to like break my fall and I was just laying there and they were like oh my god did Liz just die like so I like I was like oh my god she's blacked out like I recognize that behavior it was like oh it made me cringe seeing Mm -hmm. it yeah it was sloppy very very sloppy like Melissa's like girl we're too old to be doing this she's like I'm not like it's wild they get her Melissa's also taking care of her in the car she helps her get into the car she has like the window down for her she's like holding on to her once again being incredibly generous incredibly generous incredibly empathetic to the situation even though Julie just ruined everybody's night David by the way I just so everybody knows, I'm like a Melissa Beck stan. And the fact that she's like just having the hero edit on this show is like so satisfying to me. I knew she would look good on the show. Like I because I know how she is um, following her online for a very long time. Yeah. I knew she'd be like good. But I'm like so thrilled with the edit that she's getting in the fan reaction to her. I'm like, no, I, lo- I don't see on anybody in this world except Melissa Beck. <laughs> And she really, she really deserves it. And like, honestly, I hope that this is just like a launching pad for whatever. Like, take the shit and yeah. run. Because like, yeah, like you said, the the reaction to her, like, she's just so naturally funny. Um, and it's just so rare to see somebody so like effortlessly have a sense of humor on, um, especially mm-hmm. on reality TV. Like, I just talked about this the other day. That like, you rarely see people who are genuinely funny. Yeah. Yeah, genuinely funny people, um, and she's definitely like firing on all cylinders. And yeah, they need to get her like some sort of development deal. I'm, I'm real on that. So Tokyo is like, if Melissa is going above and beyond, Tokyo is like out of this world for Julie, right? Like, yes. 
he is being so caring. They're sharing a room during this uh, show. Mm-hmm. He is getting her water. He's like getting cold compresses to put on the back of her neck. They're making sure she's got a puke bucket. He got her saltines. And I know that because she threw them back up. Oh, that is horrifying. We did not need to see that. The puke juice trailing down the hallway. Like we didn't need that. No. <laughs> um, and he even gets a towel and doesn't even sleep in his bed that night. He sleeps by her bedside on a towel where she could just puke. She could just go over that bed and puke right on him. Yeah. Just so he, she was not alone. Also, Melissa was in there rubbing her back, like getting the trash can. She stepped in Julie's puke. Like, I just, yes. I just want to keep pointing that out because like Melissa being like, I don't fuck with you in any sort of way. But being like, I'm a good person and I recognize what's happening here and I can't in good conscience just like go back in my room and ignore this. Yeah. Yeah. And she should have known that. Jamie didn't do anything. Like, no shade to them. Jamie didn't do anything to her. Like Jamie was, was like, this is, Jamie's so intriguing to me and funny because he's right? kind of exactly how he was in the first like yeah. series. But yeah. it's like, he seems very nice. He seems fine and it really he's like well I'm gonna get paid like a couple hundred thousand dollars to do this like I'm a chill normal guy I'm gonna go have fun but like I'm not getting involved in anything but in a way that I don't find annoying because I usually would find that annoying I think he's like a just a simple man like he just went back to Chicago like popped out some kids and it's like you know what I'm going to go down to New Orleans for a couple of like, It's fine. Like on Reddit, they're saying that they, they're getting paid $200,000 for homecoming, which I think sounds right. That sounds, yeah. Like, like if the teen moms are getting like at this point, like $500,000 a season and they, MTV needs to entice these people to come, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I, I know Melissa was not going public for <laughs> Less than two hundred thousand dollars. Right. So it's like that seems right. So Jamie's like, yeah, I'll make two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like, you get a nice above ground pool for my house in Bolingbrook. Like I know Jamie. I know Jamie. Um. So yeah, like Melissa and Tokyo went like so so far and above. I think Matt was walking around too, right? When she got home, Matt like was like, uh oh, what's happening? <laughs> as though he found a dead body and was like waiting for the police he's like i've never seen a grown man somebody be drunk (laughs) we're gonna matt i'm curious like when he's gonna let his homophobic flag fly i know we saw that little clip but like matt better be thanking his lucky stars for julie because she's sucking up all the energy in the room and i'm like you won't go to the dry bar because you're homophobic right right yeah, he's yeah, he's really getting away with a lot. And, and like being like, well, I'm just a sweet Christian boy who goes to bed at 9.15, you know? I love my queen. <laughs> God. Um, okay, so what happens over okay? So the next morning, Julie is like doing yoga. I <laughs> could not believe that. I mean, I when I used to drink, I was also a fan of like throwing up at night, but I still didn't feel good in the morning. She really had like the nerve to be like, I'm so in tune with my body. So I felt fine. Like, no big deal. And I just love the like just the the silent moments between Tokyo and Melissa where they're in the kitchen and she's doing yoga and they're just like, What? Yeah. <laughs> like, this bitch. <laughs> 
Um, so especially because everyone else is hungover, like yeah, like Danny's was down for the count that whole day. Yes. <laughs> um. So then Danny tells Jamie and Julie that he actually has an adopted daughter that he had from a previous marriage. She's five. And Julia's like, oh, did you adopt a daughter with Paul? She's like, girl, no. <laughs> okay, and wait, he, can we talk about this for a minute? Because yeah. I really like Danny. And I think it's interesting watching Danny, who is kind of, I know he wasn't forced out of the closet, right? But he's talked about the fact that he came out of the closet like three weeks before coming on this show. And like, wasn't ready to come out and wasn't ready to live publicly. And then he spent years, the next six years with Paul, like, being out so publicly but Paul's not out and like how fucked up that was and I think it's interesting because I think we're still seeing a lot of him like still working through that because like the fact that on the first day when they were all catching up he wasn't like I have a daughter and an ex-husband like I find really interesting and I think it's because he like okay this is like kind of off topic but like my one of my really good friends grew up very uh pretty orthodox jewish and she's not anymore her parents still are they don't really know the full extent of how she's not and she keeps the most random shit secret and like like once we were texting all weekend and then her friend like post tagged a picture of her like in another town and i was like did you go out of town and she was like yeah i'm like it's not that i'm like mad but like what like how did this not come up and it's because she's so compartmentalized and like keeping secrets and like has this ability to be like very open in many ways but then you'll like find out something and it's not she's not lying you know what I mean it's just like like she'll drop this like huge bomb of information and you're like wait what and I really think it's because she spent like 20 years lying to her parents about like what her life looks like and I Mm. think that's what's going on with Danny um it's like this thing of he's not being dishonest in any way right he's actually being quite open and honest but I think he's like really compartmentalized like how to share his life without actually sharing his life yeah He's definitely mastered the art of, like, protecting your peace in an extreme way that mm-hmm. people don't really have to do. Yeah. For sure. And also it's, like, maybe a little bit, like, maybe he doesn't have to do it that hard, but, like, hasn't quite figured out how open he wants to be yet. And yeah. I think it's interesting. I do. Like, when he, because I knew that, like, right? I knew he had a daughter, whatever. And so I was like, wait, did he not share that in the first episode? I was surprised okay. by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he like kind of spills the tea about Paul. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we were in this relationship a lot longer than we probably would have been had it not been for the television and like people lifting us up as this like golden gay couple who had to be together. And um, that Paul cheated on him with a mutual friend of theirs. Okay. And, the and, the and I, I mean, I was implying that Paul was abusive. Because the way he's talking about it, he's like, it was horrible. It ended horribly. I have nightmares about the way that it ended. Yeah. I, I, at least, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting my own shit onto him. But that was not, he was not just talking about cheating, in my opinion. He was like, it got <laughs> so dark. I could yeah. never speak to him again. I have nightmares about, like, he's describing what it's like to be an abuse victim. It, it definitely sounded like, yeah, there was more than what we were hearing. For sure. I love Danny so much. I Like MTV, I just want to say, 
editing wise has made the smartest choices on like mm-hmm. how to edit the show and who to kind of give this hero narrative to. And I yeah. just feel like they've figured it out really, really well. Yeah, I agree. And and good on them for figuring it out as they're filming. <laughs> like yeah. knowing who to focus on. Um so we actually end up meeting Paul. <laughs> I was shocked. Me too. His um sorry, hold on one second. His um their their conversation was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um because Danny kind of came out guns blazing and was like, Yeah, you really fucked things up. I didn't like it, you cheated on me, and Paul just had to sit there and be like, Well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was yeah. really great that he agreed to come. Um it just was like I don't know. I think it like MTV did a really good job getting him on the show. I think this would have felt really incomplete if he didn't come. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah. But I would have understood. Oh yeah, I would have understood. But he's like the looming character of this season. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um. So let's go back to the Julie and Tokyo of it all. So. What should have been this like big moment of Danny texting Paul to come over is ruined by Julie running into the room, the bedroom where Danny shares with Melissa. So she's in there too. And like turning over to Danny and be like, do you see that? Like, is there a bruise on my back or on my shoulder? And was that Tokyo? And then she starts this narrative of like, I know Tokyo was taking care of me, but like he grabbed me and I don't like to be touched. And like this victimization of like, I take care of myself. I know myself. I take care of myself. If I want to, if basically she's like, if I want to be in a dangerous situation, then I'm allowed to be in a dangerous situation. (laughs) Yeah. And this whole like thing about bodily autonomy and like I just I have boundaries and but let's preface by saying that okay she was extremely wasted the night before and she fell out of a car she fell into a tree she um fell down several times and then the next day says that she has only ever gotten drunk in her life three to four times. So when she starts this whole bullshit narrative about how like she is so in control and she knows what happens, like, no, you don't, you don't know how to hold your alcohol because you don't have a relationship. Like three or four times is not enough to like, be like, I can accurately control my, my alcohol three or four times the span of like your adult lifehood. No. Wouldn't you think that she'd wake up and be like, I blacked out and that's really scary. Not like I know everything. I don't know. She was blacked out. Like Her. she doesn't seem to have any reflection on the fact that she blacked out. She yeah, I mean her 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 story changed so quickly and the goalposts kept moving mm-hmm. of like I was blacked out and you couldn't do how dare you but also like, you know, I I knew exactly what I was doing. And she kept saying that like when Tokyo grabbed her, the reason why she fell and why she looked more drunk or more out of control than she did was because she was trying to put her entire body weight into getting out of his grip. And that you fell out of the car. He wasn't even like in your arm shot. Like, what are you talking about? Right. (laughs) Right. Um, So yeah, she keeps going over to like people, other cast members, 
the white ones and mm-hmm. being like, oh, do you know, Tokyo hurt me? And I, I can't believe this. And, um, you know, they even go to Cafe Du Monde at one point. And mm-hmm. Julie starts by like trying to connect to Danny by being like, you know, I really thought the club was going to be like really sexual and like, you know, because <laughs> gay people are so horny that I thought it was just going to be like a whole sexual vibe, but I actually felt really safe. When she said that, I was like, so is she a Christian, like an evangelical Christian now? Like, I'm curious about where she is religiously. Yeah, because she says she's not Mormon, but. And she's definitely not. Like, I, by the way, she's dressing and she's drinking and like, she's definitely yeah. not Mormon. But like, I'm curious about where she is in her life with religion. Not, not a good place, clearly. No, obviously not great. So as she's telling Danny, like, I thought you guys, you gay people were all sexual predators, but you're actually fine. Um, And yeah, Danny was like, yeah, well, yeah, nobody was going to touch you. So, you know, (laughs) he's like, nobody's interested in you. (laughs) Right. Just like deflecting thing that like people have to make jokes because you're like being weirdly homophobic. So he's like, yeah, nobody's going to touch you. And she's like, yeah, except for Tokyo. (laughs) And then. Tokyo can hear this. Melissa can hear this. They're again looking at each other. And Melissa's like, I know that you're stewing on the inside. And he's like, you know it. You know it. He's pissed because yeah. he went, like, I, I've truly never seen somebody go so far to care for somebody. Yeah. And for her to, like, go around and make jokes about how he hurt her. And all of this shit is just, like, unbelievable. So, on, in a confessional, Tokyo's like, what she's doing, what Julie's doing is messed up on two levels, right? Like, first of all, it's messed up that the only thing that she can seemingly remember from that night was, like, me touching her. <laughs> and also, it paints me as this, like, violent, aggressive black guy going after this helpless white woman for no reason. Like, the way she's telling this story is, like, she was totally fine, and I just put my hands on her. Mm-hmm. And he's pissed. So on the car ride back julie's in the car with jamie and kelly and danny and she's like you guys have to admit that like tokyo's impatient right and they're like what <laughs> like what and, the fuck are you talking about right and then she's like you know like i don't understand how I, all of us had to leave just because he wanted to leave and danny's like well you actually did need to leave so <laughs> <laughs> no i think that was jamie i think jamie was like you had to go one of them. I, Jamie at one point is like, you know, I can't say what Tokyo did was wrong because I was about to do it. He just got there first. Right, so. right. Because I think Dan, they were saying that Danny kind of wanted to stay because he was like partying, having fun. And I think it was like Jamie, Tokyo, and Melissa that were like, we have to leave. Like, right, right. Oh my God. So Tokyo graciously tries to sit to, uh, Julie down for a conversation and is like, you know, First of all, I think you need to be a little bit more aware of how much you're drinking. And she deflects immediately and just like, you know, I worked really hard to be in tune with my body. And like, I think you think that I was more drunk than I actually was. And Tokyo was like, no, you were belligerent. And Julie says, do you mean stubborn? And he says, no, I mean belligerent. (laughs) Just like the questioning of him immediately and like the reframing and like asking them as though he's stupid like he doesn't know what that means like yeah no i said what i said girl it means belligerent (laughs) and yeah he was like you know you were falling all over people at the club it's not like that one moment 
I was protecting your ass the whole night. And we see clips of her like falling over other patrons. They're rolling their eyes. She's on the floor with nobody around her. He's like, I, I had to protect you the whole entire night. And she's like, well, you know, I had to use my whole body rate to get out of your grip and that you put me in. And, and Tokyo says in a confession, like, as a black man, I am incredibly aware of optics. And I'm very uh-huh. aware of the fact that narratives change. So, like, do you think that I was, like, not aware of, like, how this looked and what, like, I only acted in a way that made me very clear what I was doing and that I was in the right. So, like, she was really tripping. Like, yeah, truly, truly. And then and even said- still, like, going into that conversation, I feel like Tokyo was, like, I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about this. I'm going to do this work. Like, I'm not going to start yelling at her. Like, he sat her down and was like, I just want to talk about this and make sure that, like, you're aware of what you're actually accusing me of. Because I think what he was trying to do is be like, I don't think that you know you're doing this. So, like, let's have a learning yeah. moment. And she yeah. was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. He, he says, I think you need to be more aware of situations that only leave under other people under the bus. And she's like, well, that's unfair because I wasn't trying to do anything bad to you. And, you know, um, next time you just need to leave me alone and let me fall on my face. And he's like, well, you did fall on your face. Like you literally did. And she's like, okay, well, great. Like, then there it is. And she's she's like, like, and I'm fine. And it's like, if they had left her (laughs) and she would have been so mad. Honestly, she gets so mad at him, like just gently being like, hey, girl stop this she throws her salad and is like i'm not doing this motherfucker and walks away from him how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Beyond. As if her reign of terror was not ending at that point, she, Julie, or she gets in the hot tub. Melissa and Kelly hear her talking shit about everybody in the cast. Okay. I want to specifically talk about this because I think that this is kind of interesting. 
I think that uh, Julie, like, very clearly wants to be back in, like, the MTV challenge life. Like, I think Mm -hmm. Julie wants to be back on reality TV. I mean, it's pretty easy money. You can get a big Instagram following, be an influencer. Like, I think that she came into this very calculated. And so hearing her on the phone be like, nobody wants to film a TV show, to me was like, oh. Like, that was a real, like, I mean, I knew she was doing this, but hearing her say it out loud, I felt was very interesting especially because we usually don't get a fourth wall breaking reality show like this right Mm -hmm. like like they usually don't talk like this on reality tv shows and hearing her be like nobody wants to talk about anything they don't want to look bad nobody wants to fight like at first she's kind of talking about and like nobody wants to go out and have fun and then she's like nobody wants to look bad no one wants to talk about anything serious which is bizarre because they've had many serious conversations but what she's saying is like nobody will fight with me and like nobody will like meet my energy because when she threw that salad she wanted david to stand up and start screaming at her and you know what i believe not in like I'm using quotation marks like not she didn't want to set him up to like look like the angry black man in that situation like that specific scene she just wanted to fight with someone because she wants to be like a big explosive fighting right like she wanted classic real world stuff yeah she I'm wanted- not saying like it was so racially motivated I I hope I'm being clear with that like she wanted to amp it up to like a fight was her main motivation exactly exactly yeah she knew exactly what she was doing planting the seeds with everybody else being like you should look at it you look like trying to create people like soldiers yes to be on her side and like have an alliance and well melissa even says in a talking head like she's doing a different show than we are and it's like yeah because i think the rest of them don't want to look bad understandably right because they're all like professionals in their 40s they're not interested in joining the challenge shows like they do have their own motives for being there which is like selling their businesses and themselves and i think julie is like i almost i it almost sounds like a defense of julie but it's not but i think julie's like why isn't anybody acting like we're on real world Right. Yeah. She she's not understanding what the assignment is. She thinks that they're on Real World 2.0. And this yes, is not and it's not. Show. It's not and it's been beautiful not being that. I've been that's part of why I like this so much. I don't want to see them fighting really. That's not what this dynamic is. I think just hearing them, I mean, I'm a freak that like loves fourth wall breaking. So this is like truly made for me, this show. Like I just am interested in hearing them talk about what it was like to be on TV and what it's like now. Yeah, and like that's way more interesting. We're getting into back then and address it now. Like, talk about how much you've grown or not, or you know, whatever. So, Julie's like in this hot tub. Like you said, she starts off by saying, like, everybody goes to bed early. And then she's like, well, you know what? Kelly's like vapor. Like, she's not there. Melissa. (laughs) That made me laugh. I was like, that's, (laughs) it was kind of funny. Okay, because Kelly won't engage with Julie. If you watch, if you go back and kind of watch the other episodes, you'll notice Kelly. Like, and they even kind of have to address it when Julie and Danny are kind of going at it and Kelly walks back into the house. Yeah. (laughs) Kelly's like, "Mm, no, I'm here to promote my flow business, whatever the fuck that is. And this girl's crazy and I won't be messing with this. Right. I'm going to go right back to my home in the Valley with Scott Wolf. (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is not, I'm not trying to play this game. Okay. So yeah, she says, 
uh, Kelly's vapor, Melissa's boring, everybody goes to bed early, Matt takes naps during the day, and that she doesn't know why they're there, because they're not making a TV show, and yada, yada, yada. Like, this really activates Melissa, not really in that moment, but this puts a battery in her back for the next day, where she basically tells Tokyo, like, yo, we need to have, we need to, like, talk about this right um so they all decide to have a meeting and jamie is all like poetic about how you know uh the first time we had a house meeting i held it because we were having issues with tokyo and now tokyo is the one holding this meeting and he's such a different guy <laughs> like okay we didn't have to do all this <laughs> but uh, i do think though that like melissa was kind of sitting back and watching how she wanted to get involved knowing she didn't actually want to fight with julie right because i think Melissa genuinely is like, I just don't care to fight with her about this. Like, I'm not angry about this. I just don't care. Like, and so I think that hearing that you're right. Like she was like, okay, now I know what Julie's angle is and we can attack it. Yes. So she tells Tokyo, like, I overheard what she was saying. She's clearly trying to manipulate the show. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate what she's doing to you. I'm feeling very protective of you. Let's do it. Okay. So Tokyo during at some point during this day tells everybody that he doesn't want to sleep in Julie's room anymore. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that that's like the main issue. Right. So he's like, first of all, I don't feel comfortable with some of the things that happened that night, especially at club night. I felt like I was trying to help a friend, Julie, and it all had, you know, it looked, it was looked at negatively by you. And he's like, you're, presenting the situation as though I harmed you and then Julie tries to interrupt him and she's like okay well you know if David wants to find another place like let's just do that just like very white woman like let's yeah. you know protect his boundaries if that's what he needs and we'll find him another place right we can figure that out guys and I the- wish Jamie had been more confrontational in this scene I think Jamie really dropped the ball when he I like agree. approached Julie I, he should have stepped up and said it and we know why, because Jamie is like a nice white man who doesn't want any confrontation and is just going with the flow, blah, 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 blah. And he is on Tokyo's side, but he doesn't want to be the one that like gets into it with Julie and like does you know what I mean? Like it's just very mm-hmm. obvious what he's doing. And I wish he had been like, because he's like, I don't, I don't know why Tokyo doesn't want to be here. He just does. I wish he had been like Julie, because you're lying about him yeah he he was kind of protecting her in that moment being like yeah well you know like he just yeah he he could have said something and he should have honestly like she needs to hear it from another white person yes she's not gonna get until then and i mean it's Um, gonna be i guess it's gonna be danny is gonna be the person that does it would be my guess like because danny's already activated if you will i don't know if kelly I don't know, because there is a scene of Kelly and Julie fighting from, like, the trailer, I remember. Yeah. So maybe yeah. Kelly will finally say something. Um, but Jamie, I think, would have been a really he, – he had his opportunity, and I, I think it didn't even cross his mind to do it, because that's how, like, checked out of the race discussion he is. I agree. I, I felt – yeah, they, they all dropped the ball. Um, so Julie's like, yeah, okay, well, let's try to find David another place. And David's like, actually, I don't really care if I sleep under the pool table. I'm actually more interested in you understanding why I feel the way I do. And I'm upset because Julie, I feel like you've created a different narrative around the situation. 
Julie tries to say that she hasn't, but Melissa steps in and is like, actually, you've been going around the house showing everybody your bruise and saying mm-hmm. that Tokyo forcibly touched you after he helped you all night, which is not cool. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, he grabbed me on the dance floor. And she's like, Melissa's like, yeah, well, you also fell out of a car and you ran into a tree. So those bruises really could have come from anywhere. And Julie's like, well, well, I don't have a lot of memory of that. So I don't know. And Melissa's like, well, exactly. And the next one, you said you were totally fine. And I feel like you're telling two different sides of the story. And then Julie tries to make victimize herself against Melissa. And Melissa's like, no, I've set a boundary with you. And Julie's like, I can tell. I I can tell. She's like, but I have another boundary now, which is that like the effects of a white woman saying that a black woman harmed her on television is another boundary for me. And this is like not a TV show that I want to be part of. Mm -hmm. And I I loved it when Melissa was like, okay, so you walked into a tree. How can you tell me that that the tree wasn't what gave you the bruise? Wait. And the side of her body that that was slammed to the ground was the side that she was pointing at. Like, girl. Like, and she was right. Melissa was right. Like, you keep telling two different stories. It's like, one time you remember, sometimes you weren't. One moment you're fine, the next moment you weren't. To fit whatever narrative gets you out of it. And I'm not, I'm not going to do this with you. Mm-mm. She's wild. It's She's so, really wild. it's so, like, it's just, it feels very, I don't know how to explain it. It just feels very, like. Julie has is so doing this on purpose in a way that's so gross like it's not it goes so beyond like the Kenya Moore fake villain the Farrah Abraham fake villain that you know what I mean where the Teresa Judice fake villain like it goes so beyond that to a point where like I know you're putting this on and you're choosing to go against the black people makes it like just a level of grossness like even elevated from our typical like gross reality tv villains yeah, she has no scruples. None. And, like, it doesn't even matter to her that she looks like a racist as long as she feels like she's making good TV and getting attention for herself. Like, that's really sick. Like, it's one thing to be racist, and it's another thing to be, like, I don't care if people think I'm racist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> she, Julie was tweeting, like, it's not all about race and Somebody I follow on Twitter, Bailey, responded, it's not, nobody's always right, but it's not often that someone's always wrong. (laughs) I screamed at that. (laughs) Because it sums it up so well, right? Like, (laughs) she's always wrong. Everything she is saying, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And the thing that sucks is, like, a lot of times I will be like, well, without the villain, like without Tamara Judge acting the way that she does, like you don't have an OC season. Like fine. Like a lot of times I really can give the villain a lot of credit, but with Julie, I'm like, I would have liked this show without Julie doing what she's doing. And that speaks to how gross it is and how bad it is. Cause usually I am like really good at stepping back and being like, I see what the villain's doing here. And this is making for a fun storyline. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not, no. it's not intriguing. The way the story that they're having outside of Julie is so poignant and interesting that I don't want to say it ruins the show because I'm still very much enjoying this show, but it it just makes it even worse. 
Yeah. Because she's not pushing an actual storyline. It's not like Lisa Renna calling Yolanda saying she has Munchausen. That pushes the storyline forward, right? Like, we've been talking about <laughs> right. it all season, and now we're pushing the story. This is for no purpose other than Julie being a racist bitch. By any means necessary. It's so weird. It's so not the vibe. It she's is, frantic. Uh, Her energy, the way that I describe it, is frantic. It is yeah. so uncomfortable. <laughs> And, like, I often describe, good example, Tamara Judge as having, like, raccoon energy, yeah. where, like, I just don't know what's going to happen. Is she going to just, like, stand there and look cute? Is she going to run up and scratch my eyeballs out? Like, it's just mm-hmm. very unsettling. But, like, Julie, like you said earlier, is unsettling in a different way. Yeah. In a way that, like, like I understand a Tamara. I don't understand a Julie. Exactly. I don't exactly. get it. Um, so yeah, like you said, she was like trying to get ahead of the story as the day that the episode came out and was like, oh, it's not my fault, blah, blah, blah. Okay, girl. And and it really backfired to the point where, yeah, like you said, shout out to her because then she limited her comments. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so funny telling someone like, you're always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it just, the, the, the delivery, it was the delivery for me. I'm just like, yeah, like, no, like, it's true. Yeah, because it, like, the first part of it, you're like, you're being kind of nice to them. And then you're like, oh, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Liz. Um, you're welcome. Everybody watch Real World Homecoming. It's yeah. fabulous. It's amazing. Go yeah. follow Melissa back on everything. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm obsessed with this show. It's truly, you know what it is? It's the most unique reality television show I've seen in years. It's the, and it's real. It feels so real. And you know what? It's it was a brilliant choice to continue to use like early two thousands music. Yes, yes, I noticed so that. Good. So loved good. it. Loved it. I love it. Oh, bless. We'll tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. If you like the show Teen Mom, you can listen to my podcast Feathers in My Hair. I also have a Patreon called Liz Explains It All. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I talk about everything. Uh, cares on all the time right now I'm really ranting um, about the Johnny Depp trial and going hard to support Amber Heard so if you want to hear that because nobody else is taking that position feel free to go over there (laughs) and you can also hear about like sister wives and real world and everything exo jane i did an episode on the website exo jane the other day like so if you want to hear just like about really random shit come to patreon.com slash liz explains you can like follow me on twitter which is bentley liz too perfect we have a great day girl thanks kara bye bye i don't think they're gonna wait too long to get married if i was to guess yeah. They're going to fast track. He already knew that they were trying for a baby. Yeah. yeah. To me, a baby, you're stuck for life. Marriages come and go. Yeah. No yeah. offense, yeah. guys. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Take <laughs> it from me. Married three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and good fine. luck at your wedding. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in love. That's why hopefully there'll be just one more wedding for me. Fourth time's a charm. <laughs> All right, guys. I just wanted to share my thoughts a little bit on the Selling Sunset reunion and the latest episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I didn't have too much to talk about with Selling Sunset. Didn't even take notes, frankly. So let's just get into it really quickly. Um, Fashion-wise, it really wasn't giving for me. As we know, Christine was not there. She 
had COVID and then suddenly didn't a few days later and then suddenly was off the show and the Oppenheim group. So who's to say what the hell's going on? Um, Chris Shell was dressed like if they did a project runway challenge where you had to, um, like be inspired by like a movie theater candy. That's what it was giving. It was giving a Twizzlers fantasy and I'm not even mad at it. I mean, it was a lot of look for a Netflix reunion show, but you know, maybe for like the bachelor, it would have worked maybe more. No, no, maybe. Honestly, I'm not sure what show that would have worked for housewives. Maybe, maybe housewives it would have given. Um, Chelsea, Chelsea Lushkani, newest member of Selling Sunset. I want women, I want every woman, every shade to have access to the right nude illusion fabric. Unfortunately, Chelsea, I guess, does not feel the same way and she does not feel like it's as necessary. I disagree and that's where I'll just leave it. Okay. Um, so the only men that were there were Romaine and the twins. As you guys all know, if you heard my Patreon episode, I said that as soon as this relationship with Chriselle ended, I'm going to forget. I-, I think it's Jason, right? It's tough for me. Jason really had a tough go of it. I I fell for him. He was really giving love lost he was giving, um, I don't, I think I made a huge mistake. He cried and had to stop himself on several occasions to, um, you know, get himself together from the emotion of his ending of his relationship with Chriselle. And it was like surprising. Um, at one point, Tan France, Tan France of Queer Eye was the host, by the way. And he did like, mm, he did a job. Some would describe it as good. As soon as I saw him, I thought, why is, why is he here? But you know what? That's fine. We'll move on. I hope to be in a position where several people are like, who the hell is she and why is she here? Well, you know, take the opportunities, take them all. Um, yeah, Jason was really, really sad. I was surprised. At one point he asked, uh, Jason to address the, like, you know, do people, do you want to address what, all the rumors about people saying that this is a, was a fake relationship with Chriselle simply for the show. And he says, I didn't even want to answer that because, you know, it's like you asking me if the earth is flat. Like I'm not even going to entertain such a stupid question because I don't believe in it. So I don't even want to answer a question. Um, there was an unseen clip that we saw with him and Mary where he, you know, admits that this was, maybe not the best decision and that he knows that Chriselle is the best woman and he's never loved anybody more. And he's real still dealing with the fallout of their breakup. And he says, you know, I was fine. We, you know, it's been a few months and we've been trying to work on a friendship and being okay, but being back here and seeing those old clips of the season really, I guess, brought back a lot of memories for him. And, you know, Jason was there and being, um, you know, a supportive twin as, as you are. I have to give it up for Maya for being like absolutely brave beyond words for talking about her miscarriage that she had. She had it at 38 weeks. I mean, I cannot imagine 
she said that they had an autopsy and they found out that it was just a freak accident um, with the cord and um, placenta and just it just you know was one of those things and you know she says I I know that people think that I'm on the show and I'm always pregnant but I'm also 40 and you know I started my family a little later and I hope that I can be an inspiration um, for women who have lost. And, you know, she's got two other kids and she says that she's been, they've been supportive. And I just like, I can't even imagine how anybody can get themselves together to be so poised to talk about that situation. Not even six months after it happened, like shout out to her because girl strength that I don't have. I know Vanessa got engaged And I think that was the first and last time she spoke. Um, There were some uh, stuff about Davina and Christine. And apparently Christine had texted Davina an apology. And Davina, you know, apparently she's not feeling her. She's not feeling that Christine was uh, being a good friend to her. And it seems like pretty much everybody's on a bad way. Um, Amanda also had COVID. So she facetimed (laughs) like i couldn't even the budget y'all the budget was so it was low it was low um they literally had to hand facetime amanza from his phone um to like check in on what she's up to she's fine and she had a high ponytail okay congrats girl and i hope you feel better um what else okay so obviously the big thing that happened was chriselle announcing her relationship with australian non-binary dj g flip and this conversation was oh yeah 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 it it was cringeworthy for me clearly chriselle was very nervous to talk about um her new relationship for many reasons one because her ex is like three feet away and two because she says you know it's not like She's like, I know that there are a lot of people in the LGBT community who have known their whole lives, but it wasn't that way for me. I'm still figuring everything out. I'm nervous even talking about this. And it seems like most people didn't even know, like in the cast. And yeah, so she's talking about it. And, um, you know, she makes mention that G flips pronouns are they them. And then we see, um, we hear about their journey, about how they were, um, they hired Chriselle to work on a music video for them and their relationship kind of began from there. And so, you know, we're seeing a clip of the video. We see pictures of G flip and, you know, everybody's doing this rah, rah. We're so happy for you. We're (laughs) except for Maya. Maya looks like, I mean, the woman was too stunned to speak. Like she was like, what? (laughs) I don't really know what was confusing to Maya. Was it the relationship? Was it the, uh, I don't know. I I don't know, but she seemed like she had a very difficult time taking it all in. And when Tan was like, uh, Maya, are you okay? She really had to clean it up real quick. Um, but again, like I said, Chriselle said that this that G Flip uses they them pronouns, and Tan's first question to everybody was, um, "Ladies, have you ever kissed another girl?" Okay, um, Tan, let's let's maybe walk that back and see if maybe that sentence or question might be a little bit problematic, and think about that. Um, but yeah, like I'm happy for Chriselle. They seem she seems really happy and. 
I'm happy for her. I thought it was really creepy that TMZ posted a picture or a video rather of them making out in a club the other day that seemed like very strange. And it also seemed like if you looked at that video, they there was they're sitting in a booth and there's another person there and they notice the person's recording and they put their hand or they try to put their hand over the phone's camera. So ugh. A lot of just, it just feels a little bit exploitative, this whole situation. And I'm happy for Cashel. I'm always happy for, you know, when a woman leaves a man and I'm thrilled for, you know, everybody's love journey. So shout out to you, Cashel. What else happened? <laughs> Anything? Heather says that she wants to have a kid. Mary and Romaine um, are in the egg freezing process. Uh, oh, there was a preview for selling the orange, selling the OC, which looked, you know, <laughs> we saw selling Tampa. I don't know if it was going to be much better than that, but okay. Um, and yeah, let's move on to the Kardashians. So Kendall and Kylie decide to pull off the road. As we know, the hangover of the century, hangover, <laughs> cliffhanger of the century of whether or not they were going to catch up with Travis and Courtney on the road. They didn't, guys. Everything went off without a hitch. Um, what happens really like, oh, okay. So you guys know why I was really interested in this, right? Because I wanted to know about the mess and the family dynamics. And I feel like we would have never seen what happened on the e-show. And for that, I am grateful. So Chris is telling Kim, I think Courtney just thinks she's going out for a romantic night away, but it's actually the anniversary of the first time Travis, Courtney and Travis hooked up. And I should have known, my dumbass should have known that this was an anniversary that was surrounded by horniness and not like love. Ugh, I really should have known. So then Kim asked Chris if the Disick kids, Courtney's kids, are going to be at the engagement because they're all going to be there. Uh, Travis's kids are going to be there. They're planning a dinner afterwards. And Chris is basically like, oh, well, you know, like it was just too difficult. It was at the last minute. Courtney also said Penelope wasn't feeling well. Just a lot of excuses that just rolled right out of Chris's tongue, right? Then Kim is like, okay, well, are Travis's kids going to be there? And she's like, well, yeah. But like, you know, they're older. And I just think it's up to Courtney to tell her kids privately. I'm very confused. Chris and Chloe both seem to be of the opinion that this was the best possible decision for Courtney's children because they're younger. And I don't know. I'm finding, you know, like I don't have kids. I don't know what it's like to deal with like blending families and all of that. But I just, I was a little bit on Kim's side of like her asking, but not asking like, do we think that we're making the best decision by leaving these other children out? Because I didn't think so. When I saw the preview for the episode, my assumption was that this was all done because of Scott. That maybe Scott had uh, custody of the kids that day and they were just like, you know what? We don't want him to flip out. And by extension, we're just going to not tell the kids. And so we can handle the Scott situation later. 
But this really seems like it was maybe more of Chris's decision than anybody else, which is odd to me. So Chris and Corey, Kim, Simon, Simon's a close family friend. He used to work with uh, Jonathan. They had a PR firm and his fiance, they meet up at the hotel, which is the Rosewood Miramar. I believe it's in Malibu. And Chris starts to cry again about how, you know, when Travis went to Robert's uh, grave to ask permission to marry Courtney and Kim's like, you know, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but Scott's going to freak the fuck out when he finds out. But then Simon and Chris or Kim really agree. You know, it's been five or six years. He had every single chance in the world to make it right with Courtney. He didn't. Sorry. Sorry to that man. Right. And then Kim brings up the point, you know, Scott did also know that Courtney and Travis were trying for a baby and a baby's forever. You know, marriages can come and go. And if anybody knows it, it's Kim Kardashian. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she's like, babies are forever. Kids are temporary. So really Scott should be okay. Then Kim said something interesting was that she believes in love and that she thinks that she's got one more wedding in her and fourth time's a charm. Do we think that she sees that with? We don't, right? She doesn't see that with the one she's with now, right? No, she couldn't possibly. Um, so then we see Chloe and that man, that man that gave her true. They come to the engagement party and Chloe says that this is not a moment that Tristan wanted to miss for the world. So he decided to fly in to see Courtney and Travis get engaged. Like, is it that deep? Does, is he a big Blink-182 fan? Like, I, I'm not seeing a world in which Tristan is close to either one of them to fly or even take a drive from Calabasas, frankly. I think that this is all giving performative, and it should be. Um... She says that they're in a good place and that they just got back together. And that said, okay, skirt, 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 pause on my TV. Um, I know that Travis and Courtney have not been engaged that long. So let me skip on over to Google and see exactly when that date was. So Courtney and Travis got uh, engaged in October of 2021, right? Tristan's new child was born on December 1st of 2021. So Chloe, the clown with a K is admitting on camera that she and Tristan are fully back together, which we knew and we knew that they were engaged. I wonder if she's going to admit that at some point, only time will tell. Um, so it's also worth mentioning that Tristan, Jesus help us. Tristan knocked that lady up, Marley, his new newest baby mama, up on his birthday, which was uh, March of 2021. She told him in April that she was pregnant. So they've gotten back together. She is basically in her third trimester at this point. And Chloe's waxing all romantic about how great it is how Tristan's gotten into therapy and he's really doing the work and he's been putting so much effort on his part and like you know after we broke up I realized what a how good of friends we are and he's such a good father to true and it's just so easy and we love our routine and true loves him being involved and around and blah 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 I mean how sad how sad at this point. 
Tristan sits down with everybody and he tells them that, oh, I surprised Chloe and True by coming down the night before for this engagement. And Simon looks at him and says, do you have any more surprises? (laughs) And Tristan says, no, not really. Not yet. No, he says, not yet. And he laughs nervously. And he was right because (laughs) who baby? Ooh, baby, baby. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Oh, Jesus. I I mean, I cannot believe the audacity of this man. It is wild to have it like not only to just read about it in the press, but also just to see it on a TV show like he he consented to this. He put on the microphone. He flew to do these scenes. He probably like not to be vulgar, probably saw Marley and hopped right on that plane. You know, he probably had Marley's all over him. You know what I mean? Oh my God, this man is sick. This man is sick. Oh gosh. Okay. So then all of a sudden out of nowhere, like no introduction, the camera pans over and there are Travis's kids and, um, a black child that I guess is one of the close friends named Carl. I I didn't even know. (laughs) No shade to Carl, but like, this must be a family name, right? Like what, what 19... The kid must have been anywhere between 16 and 19. Named Carl? Baby. Sweet thing. Um, they're looking like the kids from The Nightmare Before Christmas or like uh, just all three of them, Wednesday Adams. Um, just like this Malibu sun beating down on their porcelain skin. Um, uh, what's his face? Landon's wearing a, a pearl necklace. And you know what? I'm all for this whole renaissance of men doing their nails. Like, get them done, girl. Please, I would much rather look at a painted uh, nail than a dirty one. F- full stop. But I just want Landon to know, like, if he's going to do the manicures, you got to keep him up. Like, let your new mother teach you the ways. And and your biological mom, she can do them too. She's good for an acrylic nail. Okay? Ugh. I, I've been getting Alabama on my... Um, for you TikTok algorithm and it's like I I'm I I've been watching that girl and praying for her and lighting a candle for her for years because clearly both her parents are of the hands-off variety and um it's just very concerning for me she she speaks even now I think she's like 16 and she sounds like a child and that's concerning to me like she has a very baby babyish voice and she just seems like she wants to be she wants to give off the impression that she's 21 and she has for several years now let me not go on my rant about Alabama Barker I could be here for hours anyway it's now just a few minutes before the engagement Kim again asks if it was a good idea to leave the district kids out but Chris is like again they're too young it would have been even worse for them to lie to Scott to get them there and Chloe says she's nervous because she knows that the first person Scott's going to call after he finds out is going to be her. (laughs) And she doesn't know what's going to be on the other end of that phone. So they end up getting engaged. We've all seen the footage. It wasn't any better than any grainy footage you saw on TMZ. I would like to interview the family who just so happened to be on the beach and walking as Travis was, um, uh, uh, proposing because they were like, you could see them with their phones. Like, Oh my God, we just got gold. 
I wonder how much they sold that video for. I'd really, really be curious. Um, congratulations, Mazel, the whole deal. Horniness, Mr. and Mrs. Horny 2022 have uh, been crowned, okay? Um, Chris has this very interesting moment with Courtney where it's like very um emotional and Chris is sobbing like not her performative Chris I'm on television tears like actually crying and talking about oh you're my first daughter I'm so happy for you you know I've been praying for this you know this is like it for you and I'm so thrilled and they're like hugging really tightly and in my thousands of hours of uh, dissecting this family and watching them on TV. I've never seen a moment where Chris and Courtney have been that close with one another and have expressed their emotions <laughs> so raw and were like embracing and crying in that way. And that was very interesting to me. A moment only to be ruined by Travis walking in and shoving his tongue down his, her daughter's throat. And she'd be like, can you guys just like, like, Travis, read the room. We were just having a moment here. Like, can you stop kissing for a second? Just one. She might never get a moment like this with Courtney again. Like, this was a one in a million situation. So, uh, Travis. Everybody sits down for the dinner and Chloe talks about how Kendall's the real true beastie in the family and that she can arm wrestle anybody. And so they go like, Hey, does anybody want to arm wrestle Kendall? And Landon's arm is like me, me. I do. I do. I do. I, I want to right now. <laughs> I've never been like so excited. I do. Definitely. Definitely. I would like to touch Kendall Jenner, please, please. Okay. So they get into an arm wrestling. They end up tying, whatever. This is all a, a point to say that at this point in the dinner, Courtney realizes, hey, both of us are extremely famous and maybe I should call my children before they see it on the news. So she goes over to a private room. Courtney or Chloe follows closely behind her and she calls Penelope. And she gets on a FaceTime with Penelope and says, hey, um, there was a surprise. Like, do you want to hear what the surprise was? We got engaged. You guys, Penelope starts bursting into tears. Penelope's what, like eight or nine, something like that, like bursts into tears. So Courtney's like, um, are these happy tears or are you upset? And Penelope says, hang up. <laughs> she hangs up the phone. Woo, baby. So Courtney says in a confessional that Penelope loves Travis a lot. And we've seen that. Like we've seen them doing him giving her drum lessons and they do seem very close. He even changed his uh, profile picture on Instagram at one point to a drawing that she had done of him. Um, so they do seem like he seems to be closest to Penelope than the other two. But she says that she thinks that her children are not understanding what it means and that by marrying Travis that somehow Scott's going to be out of the picture and also that she is going to be like they're gonna Travis is going to be taking time away from her as a mother now these are things that she's saying in real time after Penelope just hung up on her ass and not in a confessional which leads me to believe that she's been known this and has been known that this is going to be a problem. And obviously she didn't know she was going to get engaged. Well, she didn't know she was going to get engaged that day. I'm sure she knew that the proposal was minutes away. Right. But 
I'm not going to give her like, I don't want to be like, oh, she fucked up in that moment because she didn't know. Right. But also if you knew that this was an issue, this is maybe something that you could have like laid the groundwork for. Because if my child hangs up on me and I know why, (laughs) then this is something that has been an issue. Right. Then Courtney calls Rain, her youngest son, and he's like, what? I don't even think the kid is six. He's like, what's an engagement? <laughs> she just shows him the ring. He doesn't really give a fuck, nor does he really understand. So then she tries to call Mason a couple times, and he doesn't answer. And, you know, ugh, yeah, 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 yeah. In a confessional, Courtney says, you know, I feel like my kids probably wanted to be more included in the day. And it was Chris's decision, my mom's decision not to do that. And it probably was not her best decision. Mm. So then Kim and Chloe are sitting by Courtney's side at this point. But Chloe says, you know, it really was the best decision to not have your kids there. Like I said, Courtney tries to call Mason a few times, he doesn't pick up. And Chloe's like, well, I know that Scott knows now because obviously she got some sort of text message from him. So now it's awkward because Kendall's now sitting there and she says to Chloe, like, Oh, what did Scott say? So now picture, if you guys don't want to watch the show, they're off in this room. It's got, you know, a standard size L shaped couch enough for five Kardashians or, you know, three Kardashians and two Jenners. Right. So we're talking close quarters here. (laughs) Courtney's like on one side of the couch texting or doing whatever, looking through Instagram to see who's talking about her, um, who's done a fan cam for their engagement yet. And Chloe's like whispering to Kendall what Scott texted, like as though she can't hear her. (laughs) And so you guys are not like three feet away from each other. So Chloe tells Kendall that, um, you know, like he wanted to know about the kids. Why weren't the kids included? And yeah. So Chloe tells everybody that Penelope's reaction is totally normal because, you know, they probably look like they're going to lose Scott to get Travis and, you know, they just don't understand. And then Chloe reminds Courtney that she felt the same way when Caitlin entered the picture with Chris. Now, much like Chris did last episode, the girls proceed to dead name Caitlin. I don't know what Caitlin has told everybody in her family about what they can do with their pronouns and whatnot. I don't know. But I think that just in the purpose, in, in the, what am I saying? In order to, to be a they should be aware that they're on camera and to do the right thing and to do the protocol. So I'm saying, even if Caitlin said, you guys can speak and call me Bruce. If you're speaking about me in past tense, I don't care. Even if she said that to them, like, I just think that they should do the right thing and use Caitlin's name when they're on camera. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Courtney does agree that once she knew her father, Robert, was um, good with their relationship, Chris and Caitlin's relationship, that it made it a lot easier for her. Um, Side note, you guys will um, just a little fun fact of Courtney's reaction to her parents' divorce and her mom's quick remarriage is that she wore black for a year. A year. Head to toe black. Um, So Courtney then says that really it's on Scott now to make the kids feel okay so that they can feel okay about their marriage, which I feel is a little selfish considering Courtney does not seem to want to interact with Scott whatsoever. So like, is it really his responsibility to make y'all's kids feel okay about your relationship or is it both of your responsibility to make sure you know I just feel like given the situation with Scott and his uh residual feelings I just I don't know if that's like the most I I think it's a touch selfish on Courtney's part speaking of selfish Kendall quickly got in Courtney's ass (laughs) In a way that I was like, damn, Kendall, like, mm. so here's what happened. Kendall asked Courtney if she has any sympathy for Scott in this moment, because it doesn't look like she does as an outsider. <laughs> and Courtney's like, no, like I do, you know, but also I just don't think that now just minutes out of my engagement would be the time that I worry about Scott, which I totally I'm with that too. Like this is her moment. She did not. She keeps saying throughout the episode. I never envisioned a wedding for me. I never saw myself as a woman who would be married. That was just never something that I really wanted for myself. And now that I have it, this it's like this fairy tale moment you should be able to enjoy your engagement without the the shroud of your ex looming upon it for sure. But <sighs> I have to imagine that like a lot of people I saw on Twitter were like really upset with Kendall <laughs> and that's fair. Like she really bursted her bubble, but I also feel like Kendall has probably been privy to what's going on. And I think that Travis has made Courtney feel whether unconsciously or not that like Scott needs to be out of the picture. And I think that that may have been what Kendall was referring to. Now you guys know that it's I'm hard pressed to ever agree with Kendall. So know how bad this must be. 
some of the girls remind Kendall that, you know, it's been a long time since they've been together. And she's like, yeah, but it's always going to sting, which is another fair point. Like we all have been in that situation and it's not something that Courtney has to be conscious of or whatever, take care of. But we've all been in a situation where like you've broken up with somebody and then you find out they got back together and you're like, "Mm, I thought I was over that. Doesn't feel great right now, you know? But again, is that Courtney's responsibility? No, it is not. Is it something that maybe she should be aware of? Slightly, but only because of the children. Then our next scene, I thought this was so interesting. Kim and Chloe go on a walk. They go on a walk in a field and we get the um, origins of a meme by one Kim Kardashian, Kardashian West, Kardashian. Um, so she, they're walking in this field and Kim is like, oh, this is the field that, uh, Kanye did his only one music video with North. Like when she was a baby and they're just like walking in this dreary field, right? That was the field. And so Kim explains that she was there, but she didn't want North to see her and get distracted. So she hid behind a bush. And that was where you see the Kim looking behind a bush gif from. That's where it's from, you guys. Then they switch to talking about Tristan and Kim says to Chloe, I think that Tristan's been consistent for quite a long time and you haven't wanted to see it, which is okay. So now it seems like Kim is totally on team Tristan as well. I'm shocked. I Like another reminder that Marley Nichols is in her third trimester. She could give birth at any point, really. She could, she could technically have a healthy birth at any point this moment. And Kim Kardashian is telling you, I think this man has been consistent and you just haven't wanted to see it. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Chloe starts talking about how like, you know, even the baby steps that we make that Tristan and I make are steps. And I'm like, well, there's about to be a baby stepping out of somebody's, somebody's coochie in about five weeks, girl. So let me, Let's circle back on this conversation. Tell me how you feel about those baby steps, Chloe. And then Chloe says, I have faith in our future. Good grief. Then they switch to what's going on with Kim and Kanye. Somehow that's less awkward than what's going on with Tristan and Chloe at this point. And gosh, if only they knew (laughs) the months that we're going to lay before them. They would never have had this conversation on camera or even in private. So, um, okay. So Chloe's like, oh, what's going on with you and Kanye right now? And Kim says that Kanye left during, in the middle of her opening monologue for SNL because he was upset and he was upset. Like, let's go back to the joke. The joke was something about how, you know, she married the greatest rapper in the world and, you know, he is so accomplished. And so the only reason, you know, like for me to get divorced with him, it had to only be one thing, his personality. Right? So apparently Kanye was upset about two things. He was upset that she used the word divorced and excuse me, instead of filed for divorce. And also that she referred to him as a rapper because he's so much more than just being a rapper. Right. <sighs> Imagine those being, and so you left the show because you were that upset about it. Kim says she has not spoken to him since. And then she makes some very good points. Okay. One, and Chloe mentions this too. uh, Kanye is 
uh, done several speeches and made several comments out there in the public. And they have been things that Kim has not agreed to and agreed with and that she has been by his side and not pouted and gotten upset and done all that stuff um, in response. And then both of them, let's like, let's let this sink in, right? Kim and Khloe Kardashian of Kim and Khloe Kardashian say that Kanye gets whatever he wants, whenever he wants in every area of his life. And that they, Kim and Khloe have never seen anybody be treated like that before in their lives. And how fascinating that is. <laughs> now imagine like two of the most privileged people on this planet saying that Kanye gets treated to a level of yes manism so profound that they have not even experienced anything like that. And they think that it's weird and they think that it's over the top. Really <laughs> let that sink in. And I think that really, you know, confirms a lot of the suspicions that I've had about Kanye and why he is able and feel so emboldened to say a lot of the things that he says. Then in a confessional, Kim's like, you know, fuck this dude. Like, I'm not here for his hissy fits. He's not my man anymore. He's got a girlfriend right now. I'm focused on the bar and I'm focused on some new energy. And you know what? She was absolutely right. She was focused on big dick energy as it came to find out, come, come to find out. So then Chloe goes over to Scott's with a gift basket full of junk food. And Scott's like, I'm all right. Nobody died. Like, it's okay. And so she's basically checking in on him about the engagement. And he says it's fine. He even makes some classic Lord Disick jokes about how um, hot Chloe is and how he wants to date her. And <laughs> when Chloe asks if maybe he would consider dating somebody outside of the family, he says, no, why would I do that? That would be weird. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Somebody tweeted the other day that Scott would have killed the Met Gala theme with like bringing back Lord Disick. And ooh, that would have that would have really been a moment for me. <laughs> Sadly, I have to admit that that really that could have been a moment. It really, really could have. So Scott says that the way Courtney's been talking about this relationship, he was surprised that they hadn't even gotten married at this point. So, you know, it, he's okay. He's more, more or less okay. And uh, then he starts getting a little shady. And so Chloe has to sit there while Scott goes on about how like Courtney's a lot of work and that first he says in a confessional that he has felt guilt over the years because he felt a personal responsibility for breaking up his family. And so because of that, he took over some sort of caretaker role for Courtney and was always there for her because of the residual guilt he felt about that. And then he tells Chloe that in a selfish way, he kind of feels like there's been a lot that's been lifted off of him and that, you know, I couldn't do the job of being with her. Sir, you are talking about how she's a lot of work? Okay, I can say that, but you certainly should not be opening your mouth to say that, Scott. So he says that Travis is in for a lot of work, and Chloe's like, what do you mean, like with the family? Like, 
joining our family? And he's like, no, the family's the best part. Courtney's not the simplest when it comes to everything. (laughs) So in a confessional, Chloe says, you know what? I'm just going to keep it cute because I see through what he's doing. I know what he's doing. He's just like trying to get his licks in. Fine. Okay. But if Courtney was really that big of a burden for him, then why did he want to be with her for so long? Great question, Chloe. So then Chloe asks how the kids are doing with the news. And he says that they were upset because they were scrolling through TikTok and seeing that Landon and Alabama were at the engagement party and they weren't. And Scott says, if this were me and I was the one who had gotten engaged, I would have put those kids in a car and had them go over to that party because it's not like they were 10 hours away in some other country. They were less than an hour car ride away. Like they should have been there. So then Chloe says in another confessional that she feels like Scott's being a little bit dramatic, but she's not going to invalidate his feelings. Now I kind of agree with Scott on that. Like why couldn't they have said, Hey, um, you know, Travis and I, got engaged some version of like, you know, I really want you to be here and see like, will you come or something like that? I don't know. Again, like I can't put this on Courtney because she didn't know. I'm really putting it a little on Travis. It's like 40% on Travis, 45% on Travis. And I would say 55 between Chris and Chloe. Then Scott says for him, he doesn't care. Like, about Travis being in the family. He just doesn't want to be kicked out. That's the only thing that's important for him. And they're like, Chloe says, don't worry about that. Like we're going to all figure it out. So after Chloe leaves, she gets off on the side of the road and calls, um, what is listed in her phone as Jane Fonda, but is, uh, Courtney. So she tells her what happens. And it's basically just like, you know, everything's fine. Courtney tells Chloe that she and Travis had a conversation with Penelope and that Travis told her that he wanted her to be there, but like some version of it just didn't work out, but she's okay. Right. Um, in a confessional though, Courtney says that she doesn't know what her plans with Travis are because Chloe tells her like, you need to have a conversation with Scott. But she's like, I don't know what our plans are. Like, I don't know if she basically says, like, I feel like the only things that I should have to tell Scott are situations that involve our kids. Like when I'm getting married, if we're going to be moving into a home together. But those decisions haven't been made. So until that happens, I just don't see the uh, point in having a conversation with Scott about anything. The final scene is Courtney and Travis going to her egg retrieval. And I really like, I didn't love the carbon footprint of it all of taking a tour bus uh, from LA to San Diego, but I'm going to give them a pass because Travis did it because he says, you know, I just wanted you to be relaxed and we could watch movies on the way there. And I thought, actually, that's pretty sweet. So begrudgingly, you know, our planet is on fire, but I'm going to let that one go. Um, they get some good news, I guess. Courtney says that she's found the right doctor and that he's like a miracle worker and they have a good follicle, but I mean, this was October, right? So I kind of feel like if she was pregnant, we would have known that by now. So I don't know, but that was the end of the episode. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening.
Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. Hey guys, just tapping in real quick to say that I had a glaring omission to the Kardashian update, which is Courtney and Travis went to the fertility clinic and they decided to get a sperm sample for Travis while they're there during the uh, egg retrieval for Courtney. And the nurse has to explain to them, you know, we're getting a sperm sample. We can't have anything sullying the sample. So, you know, what, what you get in this tube has to be you know, for lack of a better term, straight nut. Okay. And so Courtney repeatedly has to ask if there could be spit. Can her spit be involved? Can his spit be involved? Can there be any other bodily fluids? And the nurse has to repeatedly say, no, no, nobody can spit. Okay. No mouth, no mouth <laughs> action to Travis, Bar- Travis's Barker. Okay. So I just felt like I had to pop into let you guys know that I, I saw it. I was mortified and had second hand embarrassment and I'm blushing as a, as we speak, as I speak. Okay. I, now I got to go. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Love.